Hello and welcome to Better Under Pressure. I'm Sarah Milne-Rowe, author of The Shed Method and founder of Coaching Impact. And in this podcast, I talk to leaders from all walks of life about being better under pressure and using pressure for better. I want to explore how we handle pressure in a world that is becoming more and more complex, the impact that that pressure has on our ability to perform at our best, and what we do to be better under pressure. You know, people can't really go into an exam. People wanted to talk to me before I went to an exam. I was like, no, I don't want to talk to you. Today, I'm speaking to Annabel Holt, CEO of WITCH, the UK's biggest consumer rights organisation. With her experience of working as a leader across a range of sectors, from Carphone Warehouse to Save the Children, she was a natural choice to speak about pressure and how she handles it. In this episode, she shares the value of a piece of paper and a pen, what she says to herself when she heads into a high challenge situation, and what it was like to be the first head girl in a boys' boarding school. Annabelle, thank you so much for coming on to this podcast and actually why I really, really was keen to get you on this podcast because you have said to me on a number of occasions just how much you thrive under pressure. And I think when I invited you to speak on Better Under Pressure, you went, yes, as I am better under pressure, Sarah. So um, potentially, I mean, why don't we just start there? How did you know that you thrived under pressure? Uh, well, thank you, Sarah, and thank you for inviting me to join this podcast. As you can say, it's something that I, I do feel strongly about, and um, I'm not sure I always feel exactly proud of it, um, but I would also say I probably am much better under pressure and feeling, I would describe sometimes feeling just slightly sick, um, and you know, that I know that I'm better in those situations. And um, I'm not sure there was some sort of big moment when I thought, ah, I'm better under pressure, but probably if I reflect on a few moments through my life when actually identified some of those things. So um, my mum always just, I used to get sort of a little bit under pressure before exams. Mm. And my mum used to say, Annabelle, you're, you know, you really do better in exams and you do, you know, rise to the occasion. And so it was kind of that an early stage when kind of actually I really quite liked exams. And that opportunity to kind of show my best in a little very focused way. So she was right then in that regard, or she she did know yes. that you were better under pressure. It wasn't yeah. like she was just telling you to 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 hope that you would be. No, no, she was right. And then one of those things when you're you're a child, the oh, mum. And yeah. actually, it, in reflection, she really knew me really well. Um, the other thing I think probably more recently, quite a different thing, was um, I've I've done quite a lot of running and those sorts of things. And it's always been a, it had always been a hobby, something to actually use to relax. And for many people, I'm not sure running will be seen as something to relax, but it was for me. And I, at a later point, probably um, 10 or 15 years ago, I did some, I did a, one of those races, Race for Life. Mm. And I did really well. And, and it was something to do with really enjoying that kind of, and, you know, the sort of focus of being in a race. And it really, you know, and I, I sort of, you know, really, I'm not, I'm not too bad at this. You know, I thought I was going to plodder through the park and actually it did reasonably well in it. And I, there was something about the pressure of a race, the focus and the atmosphere that, and loved it, loved, loved those races. And uh, I guess that's the sort of pressure where maybe it wouldn't have been other people's uh, cup of tea. Yeah. So exams and running were sort of yeah. initial moments when you realised that actually you could 
perform well with that pressure, whereas potentially somebody else like me, for example, may not have felt quite the same way, particularly not in a, a race. Um, okay, so so when you so did you just build on that feeling? Did you just get a sense of okay, I've got a different relationship with pressure, or how did you manifest that into something that actually has sat with you through other moments in your professional and your personal life? So I, I think you kind of gradually understand that that's where you can add value in a team and things in those sort of you know in pressured situations that when you you can really do something different and you're adding something where other people want someone to lead through a difficult situation and I've probably sort of seen that come through to me so for example um at Save the Children when I was working there um there were some quite difficult kind of crisis situations you know I guess sort of situations where didn't particularly happen to me, but a hostage taking those sort of things and you get kind of crisis management. Mm -hmm. People always like, you know, that's where I felt I could really add something into it. Those types of situations where you can really lead through and help create some, there's lots of different views, lots of information, lots of things happening and creating some kind of structure in that I was able to be able to do that kind of thing quite well. Um, another thing that I, I think helps in these sort of under pressure would be taking huge amounts of information and creating some clarity for people in those sort of things and, and, and doing that. So I think that's probably one of those areas. When you think about pressure, when I think about pressure, um, I recognise pressure very much physically, first of all, as I, I think possibly most of us do. But how, how do you experience pressure and you know, OK, this is this is a force that's useful for me? How do you recognise that? I think, as I mentioned early on, is feeling slightly sick. Okay, um, and that's a good thing. That's one of the things. So, so that kind of adrenaline and the feeling slightly sick, um, not but but not an unproductive feeling. Okay, so so you get the physical feeling of slightly sick. Um, <laughs> what do you do with that? So I, you know, other people might feel slightly sick and walk away, or freeze up, or you know, not necessarily excel in the way that you're describing to us. So how do you, and, and I'm sort of really interested in the mechanics of this, uh, Annabelle, how, how do you turn a physical feeling like that into a relationship that actually is productive for you? Do you know what you do? When I know I'm in it, I don't always sleep really, and actually I normally sleep really well. I'm, you know, been really lucky. I've always slept well, and I know I'm in one of those situations when I maybe don't sleep brilliantly, and I can wake. It's something I can feel something mulling in my head about something, mm -hmm. a problem that I've got to solve. I sometimes get up in the night, get my pen and paper out, mm -hmm. and it is an incredibly productive hour or two. And I'm kind of, I'm not anxious that I'm awake in the night. Because I can find, it, and then I can sleep because I've solved this problem, whatever it might be. It's a real sense of I'm in it, so I can see that happening. I'm not sleeping. You get that, and you, you you've solved it, and then I can then move on. I've kind of created some answer to whatever was the problem that was needing to be re resolved. Okay, so you have a strategy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then also, I think we talked about the examples there about running or about going mm. to exams. Uh, uh, a real personal focus. Like, you know, people can't, when you go into an exam, people wanted to talk to me before I went to an exam. It's like, no, I don't want to talk to you. 
Yeah. I just want to really focus my energy. Same with running. People, you know, I remember doing the London Marathon and someone saying, oh, my husband would really love to do the first three kilometers with me. And I'm like, no, I, you know, I'm, I, I don't want that at all. I don't want to talk to anyone. And part of it is that is that the, the actually, I lo- like that space of being able to be really focused and, and, and do my best and focus on delivery. Yeah. Uh, and so what's interesting to me about that is that it feels like there's a couple of stages. So you talked about when you're in a race and you're feeling that energy from other people, it allows you to keep going. And, and that's a very uh, a positive energy, it sounds like. And then there's this other moment, though, a phase in this pressure moment where actually you need to be very much on your own. And I'm, I'm curious about that whole sort of intrinsic versus extrinsic reference that people need when they're under pressure. And it sounds like you're quite internally and intrinsically focused when you need to go through a pressure moment with that. Is that, are you aware of that? Is that what happens? Yeah, I think, I I think so. I think that there's, there's a a particular moment like a presentation or a discussion Mm. or anything that's really internally focused and having that in that preparation. So one of the things I found really difficult in lockdown is you have those moments when you're perhaps presenting or having a discussion really difficult and you can't get the sense of the room. Yeah. And actually the value of that, of getting the energy from the room of the people that you're talking with or whatever, because you're maybe talking to a screen and things. And, and that's, a, I think it's an interesting thing in, in the kind of lockdown, remote working, hybrid working is how do you balance those two things to getting the energy from other people as well to help you get through that pressure moment. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, you spoke to me when we were, were chatting before this podcast, Annabelle, you shared um, a moment in your um, childhood, which you felt was quite significant around that moment of understanding how you deal with pressure. Uh, it was when you were at boarding school. Can you, can you tell us a bit more about that? The, the particular example I think we were chatting through is I um, went uh, to a boys' school for the sixth form. And it was very traditional school, 400 years old. And I was asked to be the head of school, which was the first time a girl had been invited to do this. And that was clearly, it wasn't a moment of pressure. It was a year of pressure of being, being the head of this school. And, and also the, one of the part of the pressure was that many people didn't want that, me to do this. They felt that it was inappropriate for the school. It was a boys school. It was against tradition and that I shouldn't do it. Um, and I had a lot of people around me, my, my friends, the you know, parents of other people, teachers saying this is inappropriate. You know, we, we can't have a girl as a head of, head of school. And that was a, a huge pressure to, 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 to be that person to, 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 to change and challenge the status quo. And how did you, as a young woman, do that? That is a hell of an ordeal, I think, for a, you must have been a teenager, yeah? Yeah, I was, um, in fact, it was my uh, around my 18th birthday, actually, and so I had to, had to, to deal with that, and that was hugely uh, stressful, um, and, and, and I, well, I was under pressure to do it, but I really, really wanted to do well at it, because, you know, I was a woman, and actually, I, I felt, you know, as you do when you're an 18-year-old, you feel very strongly about women's rights or gender, and this was an opportunity to really challenge some thinking and and to to be a strong woman in something and, and change things yeah so how how interesting so that that sort of cause took you through the pain yes I mean absolutely <laughs> cause and then also sort of I felt a responsibility to um 
which is, I think, one of my drivers is a sense of civic responsibility that although it might be hard for me, I felt a real sense of responsibility, not just for me, but to, you know, I was in a really privileged position in this school, but I could, in this position, I could really challenge the privilege and, uh, and, and then challenge the status quo as an individual. And that it was my responsibility to other women that would follow me to be able to show that that was possible. Because if I failed, that would be terrible. Oh, they just prove all those people who oh, know girls are not. As yeah, good as yeah, yeah, yeah. I and I could do that. And so it was really an important moment. And I guess since then, I've often had a real sense of being a female leader mm. and the yes. importance of how you manage that. And so is that, it sounds like a really strong sort of value. Um, and it sounds like that gives you a sense of purpose that takes you through your ability to manage whatever might come with that position or come with that role and I, th I suppose that's quite an easy thing to say but I suppose what that's a long-term pressure isn't it like being head girl is, is over a period of time it's not like a it's not what we might call a peak pressure moment like running a race it's an extended pressure yes. um, so I'm, I'm I'm interested as to how you tap into that as a as a because as a force for good that allows you to do the long haul because that's a long haul yes I think there is something to this this kind of sense of responsibility okay. to uh, something else a sense of purpose I guess and and, yes. and with that a kind of dare I say sort of moral compass that I have a broader responsibility than that to to, to the organization I'm working for and you know to women or in, in my current role in terms of kind of consumer rights, you know, that, that yes. I have a responsibility to take something. And I guess at which I, 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 I felt when I joined, I was almost, I, I'm, I'm looking after this, this national treasure. Yeah. And that I have to, I am, I'm here to steward it from where it's been to where it's going to. So it's not about me or what I'm doing is I have been gifted this incredible responsibility mm -hmm. to do something which gives me a broader sense of purpose yes yes and that so in so consequently you know, there is no option to walk away hmm. that because it is that you you know you have to be successful but then also the on the other side is you, you know it takes it above it takes it to a to you're doing something which is energizing i find about doing something that is i feel really proud about doing mm. Yes. So, so the effort allows you to be even stronger or even better as a result of that effort. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And the, the, the effort I can put in creates something which I can feel gives me a sense of sort of pride and, yeah. and I get energized. You know, my energy is in that of doing something I feel proud of doing and push through the, the dark times or the pressure times. Yeah. How do you push through those dark or pressure times, particularly in a long haul? So, you know, as a, as a leader of an organisation which you're moving from A to B or as head girl, never, never been had before, but again, a whole year. If we take those sort of longer moments of pressure, which I actually think quite a few people are dealing with right now. Yeah. Um, how, talk us through how you do that. Are you aware of the mechanism? You, know, what, you sometimes say, for example, to me, when I've spoken to you in the past, I just have to say, dig deep, dig deep, Annabelle. You know, but what what does this actually mean for you? It'd be really helpful if you could dissect it. I, mean, I think you have to sort of balance your own energy and the situation. So, in looking after your shed, 
So that's one of the things to do that, you know, is one of those things is actually, so I talked about a little bit about running. So mm -hmm. looking up, which is, is in part, say, about my physical exercise, but it's much about the mental, mental space. Sometimes I would have a difficult problem and you go into it and your mind would be kind of whirring, whirring. But by the time I'd come to the end of the run, it would be resolved. Okay. And I'd have created order and could come back to the situation. And I think even when I was at boarding school, I, I remember doing this is literally running a, away from the school and running back. So running mm -hmm. away with the problem and physically coming back with the thing. Oh, interesting. With the situation. That. And then it was an early stage of one of those things. And now, in, um, and during lockdown, I've, it's running has been absolutely swimming. The wonderful thing is about you, your phone doesn't work in the pool. You don't get distracted and you're really focused on it. And, and now I actually use those two things and say, okay, I'm going swimming. What is it? What is it I'm going to noodle through whilst I'm in the pool? It also makes the swimming easier because then you don't have to count the lengths. You just, you know, the beginning, you know, and I do it on time. But so those, that's one of the techniques that I would use. Seeking your network to an extent, are there other people that you could share something with or could help you gather some thoughts about what the, the particular pressure is um, and those uh those the different things are there's also something that i have to become comfortable with is sometimes you have to let it let it run and maybe when i was younger mm. or less experienced i wanted to solve it now 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 solve it now and actually sometimes you have to let something i would call it play it out okay you have to play the situation through and let it evolve and that's a really you know certainly when I was younger you know you want to solve it and you kind of do that now it's a bit about okay actually it's better to let it play through. Annabelle has just given us a few examples of how she solves problems through physical activity. I loved her description of how she as a head girl would literally run away from the school down the path and back again to get fresh insight whether she knew she was doing that consciously, I'm sure she wasn't, aged 18, but it's this concept of creating space physically, to create space mentally, can be so useful when we're feeling pressure. For Annabelle, it's running and swimming, but it could be as simple as leaving a room and coming back or getting out of your chair and coming back. This power of separating yourself physically from the context or environment creates space, liberates you just for a moment so you can step away and choose a way forward. I went on to ask Annabelle what else she does to manage pressure moments. And what guides that choice for you? Sometimes acknowledging I've been, you know, you can see a pattern of something happening. Mm -hmm. So um, a certain, you know, in certain situations, you can see a pattern repeating. I talk about sometimes with our family business about this has happened, this person's done this, this person's done this, and this is what's happened. It's like, okay, we've been here before. Right. Let's actually, the best thing in this situation is to sit back and let it run out because it will play its way through. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or in actually, work. I can even see it. It, feel, it feels different in the way that you say it. You know, there's a sort of leaning back literally with yes. your body just then. One of the families going, ah, 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 the other one's yeah. going, ah, ah, about things. Yeah. And then you're like, actually, you know what? We're just going to have to. And, and to, to an extent, I think it was also probably through work, through coaching and things where you act, you know, you understand that that is a pressure point for you. It's something that you find yeah. hard. Yeah. That situation is how have I learned to, to, 
to take a different approach to that particular situation, which will allow me to manage it, my energy, but actually probably get to get to a better outcome. Yeah. Do you do you lead with the utter belief that you can be better with pressure, under pressure? Yes, in the sense of I, I and we've talked, and I think we've talked a little bit about. I maybe have one of the qualities I might have is resilience to these situations, and so you're in a situation where other people might not find, not be, um, feel comfortable in these what could be seen as stressful situations for some, but maybe just a pressure for me, that that's something that actually I can do something that is, is add some value in those situations, create some clarity of those things. So, and also think as a leader, that's people, you know, particularly you think talk about the moment now is, it is incredibly uncertain for people. Yeah. And actually the beginning, you know, you have some pressure at the beginning of the pandemic where you've got to get everyone working out of the office and people want clear answers, clear decisions. Yes. And so that's a sort of particular type of pressure. It's a conversation about time. It was a point in time, a matter of weeks. What do you lean in and do? And you can see those situations. Mm -hmm. Whereas now we're in this situation, which is a much more extended period, but still lots of uncertainty, lots of greyness. Yeah, it's not the we're out of the office. It's like it's kind of half in, half out. Mm. And how do you create some, on one level, some certainty for people when there's lots of information? Where can you create certainty for people? Because in this uncer- in this uncertainty, lots of anxiety and mm. they wanting someone to create a level of certainty. Yes. Whilst also other situations where you need to let people empower people. So there's a different moments and I think for me as a leader I'm probably better when there is a moment where there is pressure or you know a need for strong clear leadership yep and then other moments when you have to let things run and let you know comes more the organization needs to lead those situations yes and I, I imagine that that's a really tough moment in a way for leaders to particularly with with you having a relationship with pressure that is so on the whole positive. In fact, I think I've heard you say, Annabelle, if you don't have enough of it, you're sort of champing at the bit and want and you need to put some pressure into your system a yes. little bit, I think I've heard you say. Yes. No, no, absolutely. I mean, and, and, and you know, in a, in a new role, for example, I would look to have something which was a stretch for me and yeah. I would be a new challenge for me, something a bigger mountain, a slightly bigger mountain to climb or a longer distance. And so I suppose that's challenging when you're leading people who don't have that relationship with pressure or have a different relationship with pressure. Yeah. Um, and there's no right or wrong necessarily, but understanding what your relationship is with it is key. And I think if you're leading people with a very different relationship with pressure, that must be quite hard if you have such a strong relationship within the way that you've just described. I think, and I think it is, and I think it's also one of, where you need to understand your team and there will yeah. be other people in your team who really they feel similar to the idea of pressure and focus yes and they enjoy it and they want to help and and, and and they also thrive and then there are others in the team where they really struggle with it 
and also people's response. So as I talked a little bit about really early on in the conversation was some of it is very focused and I I actually need my own space in it and I, yes. I lead and don't need lots of, I describe fuss around me. Whereas other people, when they're under pressure, all they want is people working closely with them, a sense of being part. And I think that is different. So I have to understand that my response to it, maybe one is that I'm, I, I thrive to an extent yes. and then others, they find it really hard and they're what they want and they need in that situation can be quite different. Yes. And, and is that your, your guess or do you have open conversations with your team about that? I haven't had an open conversation. I think it's more my intuition of mm. how different people deal with it. You can see it with, with different members of the team. I mean, that's wonderful things about teams because you know, people are in in different situations and other people are much better at the sort of more day-to-day improvement. They are better at doing those pieces. And I love the fact that a team is a team of different players and you have to use people's strengths in different situations. Yes. And and you've been, um, I think, referring to pressure and stress in like different ways. Is there a difference for you? I mean, do you have a different definition for your when you're stressed and when you're under pressure or is it what, what's the difference for you is there one yeah I, th- I think there is and I think when we were talking about this doing this podcast one of the things I was reflecting on should this really be if you changed it to be kind of better with stress that doesn't sound like the weirdest title for something that can't be positive whereas yeah. actually this sort of sense of pressure or um and challenge is a different thing and I, I would see pressure as a challenge or a problem to solve but th- there is a there is a route through and I'm confident that there is a route okay. through and that I can see something and it's a kind of something to to get to the bottom of whereas stress is something where you're not you're maybe not having the same ability to influence the outcome in the same way yes okay and I think probably what I would find more stressful is situations which are the, the people management stuff can be more difficult because it's more you don't have control. You're, you're working with other people and other people's responses to those things I would find stressful. And indeed, I think something really stressful when someone something is happening that chi- that really challenges your kind of values or something. Mm maybe you're feeling that someone's not trusting you or that type of thing which is very difficult to change whereas if you your pressure is around a situation where you trust yourself and others around you are trusting you and looking for you to do that 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 yes yes so some sort of reliability on leadership to see you through pressure Whereas if I'm hearing you correctly, the stress for you is when you feel you cannot have any influence on the outcome. Yes, or you don't have total, you know, you don't have the ability to influence the outcome. Some things are a little bit out of your control. Yes. Or they're not things, the the outcome is going to rely on something that is not your particular strength. So yes, sort of yes. logical thinking and structuring and those types of things are something that I ha- I'm stronger at, whereas if it requires lots of feelings and emotional intelligence and all that sort of thing, you know, it sounds like I'm not emotionally intelligent, which I hope I am, got something to do with those things, but that's not necessary. You know, I find it's like more like working on my left foot rather yes. than on the right. And if you were working on your left foot, could you relabel it as pressure in a positive way? to get more skilled on your left foot? Probably, I think, I mean, 
it was part of all of this is, you know, I sort of got that fundamental belief and probably ill-advised that you can kind of do anything. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm not going to say no, of course I couldn't, but I give anything a try. And, you know, and I'm really fortunate in that sort of the family background is, you know, you, you anyone can do anything as long as they know what to do. And in fact, my father always used to say that, you know, the hardest thing is knowing what you want to do. Mm. And actually, once you know what you want to do, getting there is easy. Interesting. And that, so creating, and so the uncertainty piece is, it, it was, so in your things, your left foot, you, 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 could, you could get there, but it might just take a lot of work or time. So I don't necessarily find big public speaking something that I'm really comfortable with. It has felt quite left foot. Yes. But I've been work, really working through is how do I make it feel right foot? What are the things that I'm, you know, are where I can be at my best and yes. giving the conditions of success to make it like that. So make it, how do you make it your left foot feel like your right foot? Yes. And when you feel those little improvements, um, what do you do? I, I get a sense from you, Annabelle, that you're really good and in terms of um, storing little improvements so that they become bigger and bigger and stronger as a foundation. That's what I... I feel you do. And I'm wondering if that is part of a conscious effort on your part. I think that I've, I've always taken my I guess, personal development and I always think I can, you know, there's, there's an ability to be better at what you do, to be the best that I can be. Yes. And I think it's maybe that I've always felt that I'm, I'm not necessarily in some of the things that you need to do as a leader aren't always natural things. And maybe that's true for everybody, but they're not always natural. So, so I need to work at these things. It's something that you you really you need to work at and then work at them so they become more natural for you to do. And we talked, just as I was saying, is speaking and, and public speaking has not necessarily been something that I would have naturally lent into. Mm -hmm. But it's something that you really need to do as a leader to be able to engage with groups of people, to inspire yeah. them. And that's something that I've really worked hard at doing. Yes. Not sure I'm there yet, but I'm still working hard at doing those, those types of things. And, and I've also been pro really proactive about having coaches. And that's not a weakness. It's, it's identifying things that you can be better at doing yes. and, and, and notching them up. Yeah. Yes. And, and I mean, I imagine, you know, you've... you've there's been a constant theme in this conversation about your passion for female leadership. Yes. You know, if there's somebody listening here, an ambitious woman who is midway through their journey into leadership and has a mixed relationship with pressure, <laughs> you know, um, and wants to strengthen that relationship with pressure so that they can achieve what they want, what would you offer them as a sort of paying forward uh, from your experience thus far in your leadership? Um, evolution what what would you if you had if you could give two what 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 would you pass forward to them oh, that's a good question and I think one of the pieces that, that uh, you know one of those little nuggets that we, we were just talking about that I I have used most often one for myself but also play actually have played forward to other female leaders yes. um, is only do things that only you can do right so where are you really going to make a difference and things which, to an extent, you can delegate or ask someone else to do, et cetera? Because particularly um, successful women have often been successful because they're very diligent and very capable 
and they will take on things and want to do things really well. But there's a point in leadership where you can't do everything. Many female leaders have done really well because they're very capable, they're very bright, and they have been workhorses. And actually, when you become a leader, sometimes the, the solution is not to, and maybe it's just for me, is not necessary to lead, to, to take the work. Yes. Your, your role is to, what is the big picture? You know, I work really hard at something that, I, you know, there's a personal work hard at something that's for me and that I need to work hard at, but not just take the work. Yes, there's a very interesting distinction there, actually. You're yes. Making. yes. But, but do, do you think it's, it's, do you see it show up in, in female leaders or senior leaders more than you, you see it with men leaders? This yeah. like, got to yes. work hard? Yes. And finding difficult to step back and step out. Because I, I think there's something it's about what is celebrated in women being good they're often very diligent they'll be the people that take the notes in the meeting yeah. they'll be the people that take the minutes they'll have organized all that and working really hard is they believe is their road to success not necessarily that they're very bright yes I think the, the distinction we've just talked about is working hard on me and how I can be better versus doing the graft when I think that just it's a useful distinction possibly to make I think it's a really useful distinction and that's leadership, and I think in sort of, and in life, when it gets to a later stage, where you've got kind of kids and a house to run, and you know a, a job to do, is you can't do everything. Choose the bits that you can do, and actively find others that can support those things. So that might be really thinking about your childcare arrangements, or it might be having a great assistant at work, or surrounding yourself with a team that can really help you, and particularly things that you may not be the best at doing. Yeah, that's one piece of it. And then also in those really dark, difficult moments is sometimes you just have to take one day at a time. So true. Very good advice, I think. When the whole world is persuading you to go faster and quicker and do more and more, it's it takes a lot of effort, doesn't it, to say just one step at a time, just focus on one thing, one step forward. Yes, just one step forward because it's all, yeah. you know, and there have definitely been times in my career when I've just, yes, all I need to do, and this is usually on the way into work, all I need to do is go to work and come back. And that's all I need to do today. <laughs> yes. Even if I cry, that's okay. You know, I just need to do the get, get, get in and back and, and probably no blood, I think is probably the best thing as well. And there definitely have been moments in my, probably when it's not just about work, but there's a lot of things have been going on for me. And, you know, you, 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 you can just, that, that's a great achievement to have done that in the day. Absolutely, because you have a young family. Yes, yes. No, I have a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old. Um, so some of my leadership roles have been when I've had really quite small yeah. kids. You know, and then you're up in the night or they're sick or, and you want to be with them too. Yes. So just let's take a very real example for many uh, parents where they've had a very restless, possibly one, two, three nights on the row. Uh, they have to turn up for a team potentially, or just turn up <laughs> the next day. Um, what, what did you do during those times? I, you know, I used to be, you know, my attitude used to be sleep when you're dead. You know, I just, I, you know, I would be up late, get up early, you know, do all those things. And I realized that sleep is absolutely essential. You've got really little kids and you're up in the night and, you know, that it just, you're more emotional, you're able to focus. So getting enough sleep is really 
would be one of those things that I would say is really important. Yes. If at all possible to find some time to get some chugging, it's expensive and whatever, even if it's like three hours a week mm-hmm. so that you can do one of the things to allow you to have your moment of, and I, would, I, I still talk about that, is it's like, when can I be Annabelle? When am I not the CEO or the mother or the daughter or the friend? When is the bit that is Annabelle? Mm-hmm. And just and it could be just someone, you know, to, to help me just for an hour and an hour or two hours and what's the thing where you can be yourself and you can be back to your kind of recenter yourself and find that moment yes Um, and it sounds like from what you were saying that recentering is very much part of you running or doing something physical recenters you or getting out and and I think that's it's about what you were saying how how does it how does a leader open it up for the team to explore what they need if it's different from you, if it's different from running, if it's different from sleeping, if it's different from eating well, you know, what else could it be? This bit that you're referring to, which is, you know, the Annabelle, the self bit, the bit where you can just be you, down, downtime. Yes. And I think it's about having the conversation and sharing with people yes. that you do have those moments when you, you're feeling either under pressure or needing a bit of release. Yes. What is it for you? And I think it's, it's when you, it was interesting you said downtime. Yes. And that my immediate reaction was, oh, that's not downtime. Because actually it's about re-energizing. You know, where do you get, where's, it's re-energizing. It's actually incredibly productive and important. Okay. Because downtime sounds like something where it's, you know, for me, is you, yes. unproductive. Yes. Whereas actually it's incredibly important. And I would also say this about holiday, is I'm, I'm a great proponent of holiday because I think it makes you more productive. And you can get, and again, learning through time, and, you know, work, if you, Working too hard is not a good thing. And I, again, learned this through experience of you, you, I, you lose focus, you lose perspective. That time is really important to be able to refocus, to get perspective. It's particularly to become more senior as a leader. You're there to, to, to oversee everything. You need to have perspective. If you lose perspective, you're gone because you'll then drill into something and lose, you know, you'll, you'll try to do the detail, you'll, which you just can never achieve. So that sense of perspective is interesting. Um, I think that you're mentioning there is you sort of like literally widen your vision away from your yes. pressure point. Yes. And, and you can see me sitting back in my chair and you actually have to, you know, you take a step back. And I think your original question was around how do you do that with your team is yes. how do you help them feel comfortable to take a step back and actually yes your temptation is to go in work harder do more yes manage things and actually now's your time to take a step back not fiddle the dials yes and I suppose you modeling that is a fundamental part of that isn't it yes and try to 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 do that I'm not I'm definitely not always good at that and my temptation sometimes is to deepen but then if you can recognize that and say why is it that I feel a temptation to rewrite this three words on this email what's happening to me to make that happen actually there's something bigger going on here yes real back yes so you have that little moment of self-awareness yes and sometimes I you know I, I will take you know I've been trying to a whole day or half a day maybe every six months every quarter just to say actually I'm going to take the day it's a work day, but I'm not going to do any writing on a piece of paper. I need to take the day to walk in the park and let it all mull through. Yes. And then I can, and maybe it's this pressure point to just take the step back because you need to step in and lead the situation that's a valuable 
thing to do. And I, it's interesting in this moment when we're in this uncertainty, mm. the temptation is to try to resolve and getting, you know, things actually probably as a leader are the moments within that where actually the best thing for you to do is to, is to move three steps back. Yes. And that must be quite challenging for you when you find pressure such a force for good for you that actually to, to take the pressure away or to step away from the pressure um, must be in, a, in some way quite counterintuitive. Again, it's probably one of those things that I've learned. Okay. That, that, that is uh, over a period is the release of the pressure possibly on myself is actually not to go in, it's to come out. Yes. Oh, gosh, that's so interesting, that release of your pressure, the pressure point. So are you aware when that pressure tips into unhelpful pressure? For you I think it's more in, it's, it's an intuition rather than you would have an intuition on it you know my diary's getting a bit fuller <laughs> I'm possibly not beginning to sleep so well okay. those types of things are happening is what's going on here and maybe also some things that I'm should be easy and not are not becoming easier they're becoming more difficult so this is a great data points aren't they? Like yeah. your diary is a bit busier than it normally is. You're, you're not sleeping and then you're reacting differently to things that in other circumstances you might have dealt differently with. I think they're great data points. Yes. Yeah. And then and, and you, you learn those over a, 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 over a period yes. of time. I think it's such a great um, uh, observation of oneself. I mean, I, I used to call them, I'd have gut to gob moments you know, that they were just not thought through. They came out of my mouth from my gut and some were helpful, but actually when I was underpowered, they really <laughs> probably weren't helpful uh, to most of the people that I was blurting it to. Um, and and that's, my, that's my interpretation of what you said when, you know, I, uh, things would normally, I'd normally deal with them like this and I'm really not dealing with them very well now. Um, let's step back. Yes, yes. let's, let's, let's take, take a little bit of a yeah. step back and you know, just that, that make it, that just might be the best thing, isn't is to take a step back rather than step in. Where are you, um, as we come to, to the end here, uh, Annabelle, where are you currently? Are you in big positive pressure moment right now in, in, in your life or is, are you slightly tipping over? Where's, how is your pressure barometer at the moment? Well, I think, I think I'm um, uh, at a comfortable moment, having been through a really pressured moment. We've been, as an organisation, doing significant transformation. One of the aspects of that was looking at our reward approach as an organization. And uh, we had to take a really bold step on it of a, a, a that we'd had feedback from our employees that our kind of approach to reward was opaque and people didn't really know how they would get a, a pay increase, but also in a situation where we didn't have lots of money to throw at the challenge. So we've been in a lot of discussion with the employees, with our joint union, to come to some agreement as how do we move forward in a way to restructure our approach to a reward. And of course, reward is incredibly emotive because it affects every individual yep. and a sense of how they are valued by the organization yes. as much as the money, the sense of being valued. And so it's been quite a challenging period to be able to do that. And of course, the situation externally has changed whilst we've been doing this because the spectre of wage inflation is very, very different than it was nine months ago, like many of the other uncertainties. And we don't know whether or not, as everyone doesn't, is this a three-month experience of wage inflation or is it a three-year period? And how you then structure, which is a long-term agreement to something. So very 
pressured moment for the organization and my team feeling quite under pressure individually and then also having different emotions themselves about what it meant for them what it meant for their teams their you know pay is again something that sits in people's values we've now come to a a a place where we've come to agreement we're now rolling it out and we can sort of see that light a little bit at the end of the tunnel on it um so a little bit of you know we're getting through that to the extent that I had a very big you know critical impact opportunity yesterday with you know 50 of our top leaders and having to lead that what what is it at that moment when you there's no going back right there's no chance for you to run to the end of the drive and, and back again what do you do I had to you know this big group of people and you knew I had a slightly hostile audience you know actually going in is like come on Holti and you're going in <laughs> and you're you know shoulders back okay and you have to do that and that that's really tough but again it's like going on stage yeah you can't run away you're gonna have to face into it so come on Holti come on Holti love that that's fantastic and I'm curious uh, about how you took your to pay forward offers which is add the value that only you can add plus one step at a time how that worked, how that played out for you in this in this particular example you're sharing now? Uh, that, that's a great question. So I think that this approach naturally had the initiation of the program had started with the HR director in our organization. Mm-hmm. And I think what became clear is this needed to be all the leadership team. So helping create a broad team with everyone playing their role and providing also kind of support to collectively. Yes. Is, and that we all need to deliver this change because it affects every individual in the organization, but it's not just a people program. So that's one of the things that, you know, to, to, in terms of only do what only you can do, what my role was creating that team, creating the sense that we needed to do that. And then also my conversations at managing this at a governance level. Yeah. So, my, you know, I just need to go in and talk to them about it. And actually that's, you know, or our joint union or employees, can I just have a meeting with everyone? No, 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 no. Everyone has to play their role and do that. And then where I do governance. And then again, give the organizational structure and messaging about why we're doing this, how it fits with the strategy, not the detail of this twiddle on this end. So that's where you added that you were very yeah, clear. I was able that to add was value. my value in this particular pressure moment. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I can hear that. Yes. And then in terms of every day as it comes, I think when you're in those kind of some of those situations, particularly when you're negotiating with a number of different bodies, you just have to let it take every take every day as it comes, but also let it play out. You can't force the outcome. And if you force the outcome, it may come out in a different way. It's a very uh, helpful statement that let it play out. Yes. Annabelle, you have added huge gems to becoming better under pressure and what that means. It's been very, very uh, lovely and insightful talking to you. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Sarah. Many of these things I've learned through our work together, (laughs) myself and my team. And it's been a real privilege to to share um, some thoughts of, of myself as a leader. So thank you. Before I finish this episode, I just want to highlight something Annabelle said at the end there. She said that when she's about to face a challenge, like a hostile audience, for example, she says to herself, come on, Halty. 
This use of her name is interesting and according to research is significant too. You know, she could have said, come on, I can do it or you can do this. But the research has found that when we talk to ourselves in the third person, using our actual name, we create a mental distance, you know, like an observer of what we're about to do. We become like our own supporter, another person in our corner. That's got to be worth a try. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Better Under Pressure with me, Sarah Milne-Rowe. If you enjoyed it, please do subscribe and let us know what you found useful or what you'd like to know more about. Our aim is to share as many examples as possible of what people do to manage pressure for better. If you're interested in any of the practices mentioned, check out my book, The Shed Method. Alternatively, you can find us at Coaching Impact or me on LinkedIn and Instagram. Better Under Pressure was produced by the fab team at Smart Cookie Media. Thanks so much for listening and until next time, goodbye.